Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, episode number 125 for you this week. Your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. We've got a new week and a new football game and a lot to talk about as Nebraska welcomes in the Purdue Boilermakers during homecoming week in Lincoln, Nebraska. Nebraska looking to go to 5-3. and three. When's the last time you could say that? and get one step closer to bowl eligibility in 2023. But before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson, not Hanson. Last name ending in E-M, not O-N. Yes, the word not is in the Twitter handle. You can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast network to find our show each and every single week. We preview Nebraska football during the fall, and uh, we should probably talk a little bit of volleyball during this episode considering what happened over last weekend as well. But another big week for Nebraska athletics. Uh, Nebraska last week beating Northwestern by just a, a fabulous score of 17-9 to at Memorial Stadium. We saw Malachi Coleman catch his first career touchdown, which was a, a pretty great throw from Heinrich Harburg down the field, which was pretty nice to see. That was awesome. Memorial Stadium was rocking for that. And uh, Matt Rule and Co. gets a much-needed win against a, a Northwestern team that well, maybe surprise some people being 3-3 three and three coming into that game, but nonetheless, the defense did its thing. Nash Hupmacher did his thing, which was really, really fun to see. The defensive line, especially the front, uh, played very, very well against Northwestern last week, and now they move onward and upward and somehow control their own destiny in the Big Ten that West with that Iowa loss on Saturday. So they welcome in Purdue. Purdue is 2-5, 1-3 in the Big Ten. They've had some struggles now. Uh, obviously, new coach. You lose some key weapons in Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell from last year. Uh, they've lost two straight. They lost 20-14 to 14 against Iowa on October 7th, and then on October 14th lost 41-7 to 7 against Ohio State. They are coming off of a bye. Their last win, September 30th against Illinois, where they really took it to the Illini, 44-19 in that game in West Lafayette. But they've struggled this year. They kind of... I don't know, maybe this is just me, but early on in the year, they were just kind of a weird team. They hung with a good Fresno State team. They lost 39-35. to They beat Virginia Tech on the road. Now, I don't really know how good Virginia Tech is. I haven't really paid attention to Virginia Tech at all this year. They lose to Syracuse by a couple of scores. They lose to Wisconsin by a couple of scores. And then, obviously, the close one against Iowa, and they get crushed by Ohio State. But I feel like we all could have seen that coming. So right. it's been, I guess, easier now to get a read on this Purdue team. But early on, it felt like, where is this team going under a new head coach? And I guess you're starting to get some sense of direction. But obviously, Purdue's coming into this game thinking that they have a good chance to win. Yeah, they are. Uh, and they have to. I mean, their back's against the wall here. If you want to go to a bowl game, you have to win this one because you go to Michigan after this. Uh, so, you know, you, I guess bowl eligibility is still technically on the table for Purdue, even if they lose this game. But you're going to have to win four in a row in November. That's going to be tough, right? So Never this is, easy. you know, it, it's not it's not going to be easy, period. But winning this game makes things a lot more manageable. Uh, the other thing I think is interesting with this group is, I don't know, it, it just it's going to depend. They're very aggressive defensively. Ryan Walters was like that, of course, at Illinois. Uh, so you're going to see a good amount of blitzes. You're probably going to be bringing five almost every play. Now, the way you do that 
is you have guys on the back end that you can trust. Um, and one of those guys is uh, a kid by the last name of Tina or Thieneman. Uh He was a safety. Uh, he's pretty much a consensus all-freshman, all-American at the midway point of the season. 60 tackles, he leads the team there. Um, he has been excellent. Now, he'll play like 20 or 30 yards back based on what I've been told by uh, people who cover that Purdue program. So it's going to look like you have one safety back there that is really, really deep. And, of course, that's what you have to do to try to defend against um, you know opponents when you're, when you're bringing as many as you are, as consistently as you are. Um, but he's definitely a guy to watch on, on Saturday. Uh, he's been all over the field, incredibly productive, and a guy who looks like this is going to be a key, key piece for Coach Walters going forward. And that's a very similar storyline. You bring in five every single play. It's very where he came from, Illinois-like. I mean, you, you heard Matt Rule talk about that when they were getting ready to play the Illini. Okay, that's a point of concern. It's basically going to be one-on-one every single play. How are they going to handle that? They were able to handle that decently. Now, obviously, this is a much different team than Illinois is, but you've kind of seen, I guess, a similar look. And I know this is Matt Rule's coaching staff, their first time playing against Coach Walters. And it, he had success against Nebraska in 2021, obviously. Um, and, and 2022. Or, well, I guess tw- I'm thinking of Purdue 2022. My My apologies. But... At Illinois, he was very successful, led a very physical defensive group. You expect the, the more of the same out of this Purdue group. I'm kind of interested to see what this game just as a whole looks like because it's going to be, for lack of a better term, kind of miserable tomorrow oh, during the game. Bad. It's yeah. going to be a high of 39 degrees and cloudy. Maybe some rain pops up. I don't know for sure. I'm not yeah. a meteorologist. Um, it, it said that earlier in the week, but right now it just is cloudy and 39, so it's going to be frigid. This is going to be like the real first cold weather game of the year, really for either of these teams. So I'm interested to see how both of these teams kind of react to that. The over-under is 39.5 for this game. Nebraska is a 2.5-point favorite. Now, obviously, we can't go any further about previewing this game without talking about all the injuries that this team, Nebraska that is, has suffered, especially during the week. The offensive line is very depleted. You lose Billy Kemp for a handful of weeks. You lose Ethan Piper for a couple of weeks. You just had surgery. You lose Nuri for the year. If I have that right, I might be getting the mixed up. Uh, no, no. Uh, Willie's out for two weeks. Okay, thank Piper's you. done for the year, and Corcoran's done for Corcoran the year. Corcoran is done for the year as well. So... Who's going to step up on that front line? And I guess the joke around Lincoln has been we're going to be starting the scout team by the end of this this year, and it kind of feels like that already. Now, that's not a diss to the guys who are below the starters, but now you get another chance to step up. I mean, we saw that last week with Malachi. Now, obviously, he's a highly touted recruit, but we'll see how that you know second group kind of looks. Oh, and by the way, I mean – I feel like this compared to the previous compared to the previous administration, uh, you know, I I think I feel a lot more comfortable starting scout team than you know because I this I, this this coaching staff actually gives the scout team a time of day and well, yeah. cares about development. Not saying the previous one one hundred percent didn't because I don't know that for sure. Um, it felt but like I can it. tell you, I yeah, I mean, Heinrich Harburg was kind of tossed aside by the previous coaching staff, um, and you see that actually, I you know, you see that with the players that are making high impact this year, um, guys like Alex Bullock, uh, guys like 
his brother, John. Uh, so, you, you know, you players who were just sort of afterthoughts a year ago who are making a lot of impact. So, like, again, if there's anyone I'm trusting the second unit and the second unit's ability to produce, uh, it's probably Matt Rule in that unit there. It probably is. And he's done a good job with injury management all year long. This isn't, like, a new thing. This has been something that has plagued this team for weeks now and you have Marcus Washington that goes down against Illinois now you got these three guys who go down on the offensive line against Northwestern and we'll see how big of a loss Billy Kemp is I feel like considering and Billy is obviously a good receiver but he's not like he didn't really see that much action I felt like against Illinois and I feel like that production has started plateauing I guess so how big of a loss is that going to be for you? That'll exactly. be the question. Yeah, to me, the offensive line issues are a lot more interesting, uh, a lot more detrimental. Uh, you know, the running back issues earlier in the year were a lot more detrimental. You know, these receiving core, guys dropping out the receiving core, I just I don't know how. It's not going to affect really, you as much it as did, the offensive line. Certainly not. And it's not something that I think really – is a big factor in the grand scheme because I don't I don't I don't think they were super. They had certainly hadn't been super productive this year before that, um, and some of that maybe is a symptom of quarterback play. But you know they haven't been productive before that, and they probably weren't going to be increasingly productive throughout the rest of the year. You know you knew that wasn't one of your strengths going in. Now it's even more depleted. But again, is that a huge problem compared to the offensive line, which is. You know, and, and more specifically, Ethan Piper and Nuri Wheelie, who are two of your better graded players. And you can't afford to have another quarterback go down either. Now, I know that Jeff Sims is now healthy behind Harburg, but it feels like that there's at least some sort of rhythm. I hesitate to say that because of the points being scored. Right. <laughs> but you kind of found a, a little bit. Now, obviously, and we've had this discussion within our friend group and whatever, okay, Lots of groaning about some play calling and all this other stuff. And we've had this this discussion numerous times about Marcus Satterfield and that whole situation. But um, it, it'll be – I don't know how much of a dominant front seven Purdue has, but well, they could certainly take advantage. Yeah, they have two really good outside linebackers that are going to cause some trouble. Um you know, we'll see how Nebraska. I mean, you're going to have Bryce Benhart remains your highest graded offensive lineman this year. Which, by the way, that's something that's really flying under the radar. You know, he's allowed 11 pressures, um, but again, that's I think you know, your your tackles are going to be the the two players that are allowing the most pressures on your team. Mm-hmm. So, but he's much improved. Uh, and then the problem, though, is Nuri Nwili and Ethan Piper are your next two highest-graded players. I'm throwing Justin Jeff- Evans-Jenkins out just because he's only played 50 snaps. Uh, and then Nwili is your highest-graded pass blocker. So that, to me, is alarming, right? Uh, Justin Evans-Jenkins, though, in the snaps that he has played this year, has been really good. So that, I think, is really something to watch. You question Latovsky, and then the thing that – who is, by the way, your lowest-graded pass blocker in 91 snaps. Uh, but the thing that's really intriguing to me is Teddy Brahaska because it's it, in some time in – this is his chance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really for the long term because Turner Corcoran, I'm going to guess, is – I think he might actually have one year of eligibility left. I don't know if he's going to use it. Um, 
you know, but Prohaska, this is a guy that people have been clamoring for over Corcoran for a while. He has mostly seen time as an extra tight end in jumbo sets. So it's, I mean, it's go time now, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's his chance now to to prove, I guess, uh, and to validate his star rating coming into his freshman year, to validate his ability in, in, in that size and the frame that he has. So that, that to me, is the most fascinating thing, is, is how does Teddy Prohaska show out this week, if at all? Yeah, you said it. I mean, this has been somebody that the fans have been calling for for a while now. And, and you can understand because of the size, the ability out of high school, as you mentioned, and what kind of all the hype is about. Now, we haven't really been able to see that because of injuries to Teddy, and that's just been unfortunate, but he's just such a large guy. Like, obviously, offensive linemen are large. He takes it to a whole other level with being about 6'10". So it'll be good to see him out there with more regularity, hopefully, throughout the remainder of the season. Obviously, we hope that you know, Turner and the rest of the guys get healthy fast as possible. But this opens up a new door for Teddy, and, and we'll see what he can do starting this week. Just a little bit of uh, the scouting report, if you will, a very casual scouting report of Purdue Hudson Card, starting quarterback. He's 149 of 246 this year for just over 1,600 yards. He's thrown seven touchdowns, five picks. He's been sacked 17 times this year. Yep. So that's a number that sticks off the page. I'm going to give Husker fans nightmares now. Devin Mockaby is the leading rusher this year, guys. 105 carries with 478 yards. He scored four times on the ground. His longest run of the year is 21 yards, which I find a little bit surprising. Uh, but he's a guy that gashed Nebraska last year in, in West Lafayette. And then Deion Burks is the leading receiver. 27 receptions for 418 yards and five touchdowns through the year. His longest play of the year, 84 yards. So there's a little bit more of that explosiveness from Purdue. Yeah. Now, this isn't going to be like last year's game, or, or so we think, with that just absolute shootout of a game with just A, weather, and B, the improved defense of Nebraska, and obviously new coaching regime on, on the Purdue side as well. So that's kind of your casual scouting report. Other than the guys that I mentioned, who should we be looking for in black and gold on Saturday? On the offensive end? Doesn't matter. Uh, well, I mean, like I said, Dylan Teenman, or Teenman is definitely someone to have an eye on. Uh, safety. Uh, he is the third Thienman brother to play at Purdue, and according again to uh, you know Tom Deanhart, who I talked to with from Purdue, for the Purdue on three site GoldenBlack.com, he thinks he's the best of those. Um, he has had a really really excellent year so far in terms of coverage. He's only been targeted eight times, 34 yards, one touchdown allowed. Um, again, most of that time spent at free safety. He has 62 tackles, three picks, one pass breakup. He was a three-star coming in, um, but he's the nation's leader in freshman for interceptions, solo tackles, total tackles. That's the guy to have an eye on. Devin Mockaby, I'm I'm hesitant to say I doubt him. Right, He's 4.6 yards per carry this year. Nebraska should be able to handle him this year a lot better than last year. Hopefully. Um, so that, to me, I you know, this is a – Hudson Card has thrown it 246 times this year. So, you know, you'll see – just do some quick math. That's a little over 35 times a game, roughly. Um, so you should see a good amount of attack through the air. It just doesn't seem like this is a group that is extremely talented, um, you know, when it comes to the receiving core either, right? So that certainly seems like, you know, we're looking at – a low scoring affair. There is no Trey Palmer 
there is no Charlie um Charlie Jones Charlie Jones to to blow the top off the defense for either side. Uh so it's going to be low scoring. The other thing to one of those outside linebackers to keep an eye on Kydron Jenkins. Uh 29 tackles, 7 TFLs, 5 sacks. So he's again one of those guys who's going to be those extra rushers and he's going to try to wreak some havoc. Look at you, you're good at math. 35.1 times a game that he's been throwing the ball. You oh, wow. said around 35. Maybe maybe you're in the wrong major. I don't know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you have uh, Jenkins with five sacks, and then you have Nick Skirton with four right. and a half sacks. And he's the as other. Well. He's the other outside linebacker. So you kind of have a one-two punch there with the linebacking core, and then obviously you mentioned Thieneman, who's had a, a phenomenal year. Just even based off of the numbers, you don't even have to watch him. I mean, he's got 62 tackles, as you mentioned, the three interceptions. He's been absolutely fantastic for this Purdue defense. Um, just a couple of team stats for them. They're averaging 23 points a game. Um, that's a little bit more than Nebraska, which I which I could say was different. Um, they have 970 rushing yards this year, which is good enough for 138 a game. And if you watch the, the GBR or the GB Rewind, whatever you want to call it, I mean, Matt Rule wasn't happy about 86 at halftime against yep. Northwestern last week. So we'll, we'll see what the message is coming out um, in, in this game. They averaged 370 yards per game. Again, we'll see what uh, Matt Rule has to say about that. And 232 of those yards are through the air. So that's kind of your rundown on the Purdue offense. It's going to be a low-scoring affair. It's going to be cold. It's going to be Big Ten football. Um, and as you mentioned, yeah, with – Michigan looming on this Purdue schedule, and who knows how many tickets were bought to Purdue games in prior years, but we won't go there. Um, that could be that could be spell in danger because after Michigan for Purdue, you get Minnesota at home, who hasn't been as good as advertised as I thought. Then you go to Northwestern on November 18th, and then you host Indiana um, at all those after the Michigan game. So the path to bowl eligibility for Purdue really does start this weekend. If they drop this game, really could be looking at some trouble. And now obviously on the other side for Nebraska, you win this game and you really like your chances of going bowling this year in the first year under Matt Rule. So that is, you know, if you asked me three weeks ago, I don't know if I'd be confident in saying that, but now I am because, I mean, I've seen it on the field, and obviously the, the strength of schedule continues to deplete itself, it feels like, week after week. Yeah, and Michigan State does not look like I – mean, that's a team that's is not in good. complete chaos, not right? Good. Like we talk about Northwestern, that's a team that was dealt a similar blow. Now, I, I'll grant you not in the middle of the season, uh, but – It's still happening in July, though. But And the, the interim group has – done a great job on that coaching staff of keeping the team together literally like keeping the team in the building and mm -hmm. not hitting the transfer portal so yeah that team seems like it's really all over the map and then you really you know you're not gonna have Tanner Mordecai back for that Wisconsin game in all likelihood Iowa struggles to score so yeah there's plenty of opportunity there for Nebraska down the stretch plenty of opportunity you win this you go to five and three and then you mentioned Michigan State has just been in complete disarray this year you host Maryland on November 11th. You go to Wisconsin, as you mentioned. The Mordecai injury raises an eyebrow for Badger fans. And then you round out the season with the uh, annual tradition on Black Friday, hosting Iowa at 11 a.m. on CBS yeah. this time around. So, again, it's it's kind of insane that the path to 6-6 to six and six is, is right there. Yeah. Oh, another thing to mention, too, with that cold weather, uh, the kicking game is going to be really fascinating. Yes. You're going to be looking at a pretty close game. Uh, and Purdue is 
struggled mightily uh, in the kicking game so far this year. You've had to trot a couple of different guys out there just due to injury, um, but as a group, they're three of nine. That's the worst in the Big Ten. Um, you have Ben Freehill, who's the injured player, who should be back this week, but he started the year one of three, and Julio Macias, who's the guy who backed him up, is two of six. So that's the struggle. And, of course, Tristan Albano, four of eight on the year. So someone very well could be put in a situation where they need to make a big kick. Who's going to be able to capitalize there? Again, uh, if, it looks like the precipitation is pretty much out of the, out of the picture. But it is going to be really cold so that and, and windy, and that will be something to monitor. I will say this about Elvano, and I know that he kind of struggled to begin the year. He's a true freshman. But that one kick he had into the win last week, that was from, like, what, 45-plus? Yeah. That was – and he crushed it, too. It hit, like, the middle of the net, middle you know, middle of the goalpost. Probably would have made it from 10 yards even further. He crushed that ball. So – uh, give credit to Tristan Alvano there. I mean, that, that was a phenomenal kick. I was not expecting him to make that kick, and uh, yeah, he, he, made, it. he made it look easy. So before we keep moving on to other football games, it would be wrong if we did not talk about the spectacle that was Nebraska volleyball at the Bob Devaney Center last Saturday night. It was number two Nebraska hosting number one Wisconsin, a five-set thriller. People are calling it the match of the century. And Nebraska comes out victorious in five sets, winning the last set on a net violation by a score of 15 to 13 in that fifth set. And they win the match three to two over Wisconsin, their first time since 2017 beating Wisconsin. They snap a 10-game losing streak. And now Nebraska, 19 and 0, is the consensus number one team in the land, and they continue their quest for a national championship tonight against Maryland at home. But what a phenomenal match as a guy who hasn't really watched any volleyball until coming to college. Easily the best volleyball match I think I've ever watched, and I thought they were dead in the water towards the end of that fourth oh, set. Goodness, yeah. I mean, Wisconsin had their number, and give Coach Cook's group, I mean, give Coach Cook a ton of credit, but give the group a ton of credit. They did not give up at all during that entire match. I mean, that second match was dominated, it felt like, by Wisconsin, 25-17 to 17 in that one. The third set was 25-20 Wisconsin, and you're like, oh boy, here we go. And Nebraska rallies in the fourth. They won at 26-24, and then they're able to keep somewhat of control. Wisconsin made a furious rally there in the fifth, but they win it on that net violation, and they pull off one of the biggest wins, really, in program history. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, you know, you break the attendance record in Devaney again. Uh, you had people who were, you know, basically standing in the stairs to go up to standing room. That was their seat for the night. Uh, so the place was packed. I've never heard it that loud. Uh, I would say the they were down twenty three twenty going into the end of that fourth set, mm-hmm. and somehow. Nebraska was able to come back. Uh, you overcome 40-plus attack errors. I mean, they were just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you're right. You felt like in that second and third set, man, Wisconsin's going to pull this thing out. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of actually similar vibes to the 2021 National Championship game where Nebraska won the first set. Wisconsin proceeded to win the next two. The Oscars battled back to come back and win it in the fourth, the force of fifth set, and then lost 15-13, if I remember correctly. So it was the exact same way as before, kind of the way that whole thing, that sequence transpired. You just flip the team that's won in the fifth set. So And, and that's been the thing that 
you know, John Cook's been preaching about for a while is we need to win these deuce games, a game separated by two points or less. And Nebraska had been 0-10 against Wisconsin, not only in the matches um, in that match streak, but 0-10 in deuce games as well. And they win two in that last uh, fourth and the fifth set to pull out the win, again coming back from 23-20 down. And then Harper Murray was incredible um, because she – so from the 9-7 to point in the second set to when she tied the match at 23 in the fourth, she did not have a kill. Multiple errors, you know, was shaping up to be basically one of her worst games as a Husker. Mm-hmm. And then she proceeded to have seven kills in the final hit or set hit 777 with no errors. Mm-hmm. I mean, just flip a switch and turn it on. And I heard John know, that, Cook got in her ear before, that's true. before the fifth set. That's true. And that's legendary stuff from her, honestly. like I, That is legendary stuff from her. It's the level of play that we have not seen at Nebraska, I think probably since Michaela Fecky. And at the same time, someone who's quietly having a Fecky-esque season is Mary Beeson, who ends up being the National Player of the Week. With her 23, roughly 21 kills on 50 swings, uh, I think. And she was amazing. She was really, really good. Uh, and she has that same level of ferocity. Um, so, man, what a big match. And then now, you know, you hope that, again, Nebraska and Wisconsin both avoid any slip-ups between now and their rematch in Madison mm-hmm. later in November. The barn, or whatever they call it up there, the the field house. Sorry, I apologize, Wisconsin fans. The field house, that place is going to be on fire. I mean, it's old. It it kind of reminds me of the barn in Minnesota with with their basketball arena. It's very similar. Um, I I really like it. I think it's really cool. That place is going to be absolutely insane. It's probably going to be just like Devaney was for that match last Saturday. They welcome in Maryland tonight at 7 o'clock, and then tomorrow night at 7.30, they welcome in Rutgers, so two winnable matches there. They play Rutgers again next weekend, this time on the road. The next time they play Wisconsin, as you mentioned, that will be on Black Friday at 3 p.m. at Wisconsin, and then they close out the regular season on the road at Minnesota at 8 o'clock on Saturday, November 25th. They have three straight road games to close out the season this year, which is, I feel like, kind of odd, but they play three straight home games right before that stretch. So Nebraska's quest to stay undefeated continues this weekend with Maryland and Rutgers, the two East Coast teams in the Big Ten, and they're coming off of what just an incredible match I think this team is too good to let the emotion of that carry over into this weekend and affect them, but you never know. But I, I think this team is is focused enough and obviously just way too talented to, to really let that happen this weekend. So that's what's going on on the volleyball court this weekend over at the Bob Devaney Center. There's also a couple of exhibitions going on in basketball over at PBA. The women play at noon and the men play at 530 if you want to see our faces for radio on TV at noon, you can watch on Big Ten Plus because we will be doing the women's game as they take on Dakota Wesleyan in their exhibition game. They're looking to make it, which I just think this is a funny stat because usually a Division One program plays a Division Three program in an exhibition, but the Huskers are looking for their 37th consecutive exhibition win yeah, at noon go. on Sunday. So I, I think that's kind of a funny stat. So let's move on to our just atrocious week of picks from last week if you are a better do not follow our advice because yes. my goodness I thought I was having a good season and then this week happened and it was just whoa so I thought USC was finally going to exercise its Utah demons that last week that did not happen uh, they ended up losing to Utah again 
and they're pretty much eliminated from the college football playoff now. So that's a loss for me. I had Florida. St- I had Duke covering against Florida State. I don't know why. I must have had this wrong. I predicted a score of 31 to 10 and had Duke covering, but apparently the spread was 14. So I'm stupid. So <laughs> that was wrong as well. And then we I can Nebraska- go back. I mean, we can go back and look at the tape. You know? I mean, I'll, I'll take the loss. I think it's only fair and square. They did not play well. And then I had Nebraska covering against Northwestern. Not just the win, the cover as well. And that was incorrect. Grant had Penn State covering and winning against Ohio State this weekend. That did not happen. You did have Air Force beating Navy. That did happen. So you got a win in the win column there. And then you also had Nebraska covering Northwestern this weekend. And that was wrong. So my record now is 10-11, and 11, which is quite the downfall for me. And then you're at 7-12, and you're two damn pushes <laughs> this year. I we're By the way, there was going to be a push. It was close. There was 100% going to be a push. And then uh, it was like a 10-point game, and then Arizona scored – or not Arizona, Navy – Navy scored late, maybe? I, I think you're right. I think right. Navy scored late, and then they were a two-point conversion. They went for two and didn't get it. If they just kicked the extra point, it would have been a push. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it was dangerously close to having a three in that column, and that just would have been a disaster. So, let's get into our picks this week. You went first last week, so I will take on the burden of going first this week. And uh, there are a handful of good games on this weekend, um, and I'm going to – I'm going to struggle picking this first game. I keep going back to Utah, but I I really don't want to pick them because they kind of screwed me over. But I like Utah, and Utah is cool. But I'm going to stay away from them. I'm going to go with a big noon game. Number six, Oklahoma at Kansas. I feel like this game is always just kind of weird, whether Mm -hmm. it's the whole Baker Mayfield thing or Kansas ends up just beating them for no reason. Oklahoma 7-0, and number six in the country. They traveled to Lawrence to take on the 5-2 and Jayhawks, who are 2-2 two and two in the Big 12. Oklahoma is a nine-point favorite, over under 65.5. I think Oklahoma wins against Kansas, and I think they cover against Kansas just barely, and I think they win it by a score of 37-27. to They get a 10-point win against Kansas on the road. And that is how my picks start Oklahoma up to 8-0 and still flirting with that college football playoff. Yeah, man, I, uh, I, like, I like that pick, I think. Uh, that's, a, that's a team – I think Oklahoma's going to bounce back this week after kind of a disappointing game last week and also no Jaden Daniels. And so as, as he goes, so do the Jayhawks in my mind. Okay, uh, I'm going to also stay away from Utah, Oregon because – Look, like Utah is basically the Grim Reaper just trying to – this is what they do every year. They yep. drop a game early, and then they absolutely blast every other Pac-12 contender down the stretch. Yep. So I'm going to stay away from that game, though, because I still – I just – Oregon, Utah, I have not had a good history betting with those two teams involved. I'm going to go to Ohio State, Wisconsin, Camp mm. Randall, OSU 14.5-point favorites, no Tanner Mordecai for the Badgers – I look, I bet against Ohio State, I think in back-to-back shows, I am going to go with them now. Uh, 14 and a half feels a little, I mean, it feels like a lot, don't get me wrong, but this is a really, really good Ohio State defense, and Wisconsin does not have much left in the tank offensively at this point in time. So we'll see how things transpire in the offensive end for OSU, but I think they should be able to cover that 14 and a half points and uh, move to 8-0 on the year, even though I don't think this is a very good team. Like, I really, truly do not believe this team is a college football playoff team. It's not like the Ohio uh, State teams of the past. They might sure. make it there. This defense is really, really, really good. Don't get me wrong. 
but only being able to beat Notre Dame by a field goal, um, that's an indictment. You know, Penn State lost that game, I think, more than Ohio State won it because it just remained so passive offensively. So, um, sign stealing or no, I think Michigan beats Ohio State by the end of the year. Uh, and if that happens and Ohio State still gets in, that'll be really disappointing, I think, because this team, I guess you have to probably reward them for winning games uh, and not having well, a slip-up, yeah. you know. But at the same time, I just I don't think this is a really, really good program right now. It's definitely – it doesn't feel or like – A playoff-level program. It doesn't feel like uh, Ohio State teams of past years um, – with like you know, not to be the Bears fan, but you know, or Justin Fields, or right, even C.J. Stroud. I mean, yeah, it's, it just doesn't feel the same. So I agree with you. So there. Ohio State, Ohio State wins. We will go uh, twenty-eight to seven. They cover the fourteen and a half. Seven beats and covers the Badgers. Sorry, Bucky. Okay, moving to the SEC, number twenty-one Tennessee going to Kentucky. Both of these teams are five and two. Two and two in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, Tennessee is a three and a half point favorite. Over under is 51 and a half. And I think Joe Milton and the Vols get it done on the road. This is a tough Kentucky team. I will give them their flowers. They are a pretty good team, but I think Tennessee is able to beat them on the road, get an impressive win. I'm going to go Tennessee by a touchdown. Let's go 35 to 28. Tennessee wins and covers against Kentucky. Okay, Colorado, UCLA. Uh, Colorado is off the bye. I look the that national one's, championship. That one's contenders. fascinating. Uh, Oregon State only a three-point favorite on the road against Arizona. That one is fascinating. And then uh, JMU and Old Dominion. JMU given twenty-one points there. The uh, the Dukes number twenty-five the in the country. Ranked team that can't play in a bowl game. And still, by the way, I believe one of the best, if not the best, defensive metrics you know, teams in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. So those three games are all fascinating. Uh, in the Big Ten, there's not a lot of meat on the bone this no. week. Uh, probably besides the Nebraska game uh, and the Wisconsin game, then it's maybe Michigan State and Minnesota. Are you that's sure? the most you entertaining want, game. You don't want Penn State, Indiana? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now 32 is probably actually a feasible number this week for them. All right, I'm going to go go back here to uh, my original first pick here. The Rose Bowl, Pasadena, UCLA, Colorado, and Colorado coming off that loss to Stanford, 46 to 43. You had the whole bye week to sort of my marinate goodness. on that. That game felt like it was years ago. It does feel like it was years ago. Uh, and then Stanford, oddly enough, or UCLA, oddly enough, on the heels of a 42 to seven win over Stanford. UCLA 15-point favorites in this game, which kind of feels like a lot. Um, this is tough. I, I'm going to go that and say that Colorado does get under that 15 points. So we'll say UCLA wins, Colorado covers the spread. Um, Colorado will make it, a, a, I think, a game down the stretch. We'll go... 31, well, that's probably too low, uh, 38-31 <laughs> UCLA. What happened to Colorado? Just, you know, they're flirting with the playoff. They're 2-0. and Potentially oh the best team ever. Yeah. This game's on ABC, by the way. Yeah, I know. It's on network television. Which is kind of weird. Um, I I agree. I think, I think Colorado's able to keep it close. 
Um, I mean, they did so against USC, but we're also starting to see like what USC really is. The, like um, the only game this year that Colorado has been truly blown out is Oregon, and I, and yes. I think they'll be blown out by Utah simply because of how good that defense is. But I'm not ready to say UCLA is in that same category just yet. So I, I think I, I Colorado agree. can make it a game. I would agree. I think that's a fair take. All right, the game we both have to pick, Nebraska and Purdue. Nebraska, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 39-and-a-half at Memorial Stadium. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cloudy. It's going to be a rock fight. And Nebraska is going to win the game by a touchdown, let's say. I think it's – is it, is it going to be a touchdown? Yeah, yeah, we'll say it's a touchdown. I'm going to go Nebraska 17 and Purdue – 10 in what is going to be probably not a pretty sight to the eyes, but hey, Nebraska gets their fifth one of the year. They're five and three. One step closer to that oh-so-coveted bowl game that we've been craving for so long, mm. and they get a, a touchdown win over Purdue and avenge the loss from last season in West Lafayette. Yeah, so that two-and-a-half point line, man, that is that is tight, uh, and, and this game is going to be that way. These two teams have a lot of trouble with fumbling the football, too. Uh, combined, I think, 32 on the year. They've lost 12 of those 32 uh, so these two teams are turnover prone to some extent uh, for Purdue. Uh, Nebraska definitely is. Uh, and Nebraska's defense is going to need some takeaways. I mean, you know what this game is going to be. This is the type of game Nebraska has been playing in pretty much all year and will play in for the rest of the year. Yes. Uh, so, and it's the type of game I think that sets up for Nebraska to win in my mind. Um, so look, I, I don't think the, the good vibes stop just, just yet. Uh, Nebraska will get the win. It will have its first winning streak of three games since 2016. It will be one win away from bowl eligibility. I think it's a little bit closer. That is a wild stat, by the I'm way. I'm going to go 16 <laughs> to 13. Oh, my goodness. You are Nebraska sicko. over Purdue. That means nine. <laughs> I have three field goals at least or two touchdowns and two two-point conversions, oh, man. Which, whatever, however you want to get there. Let's just get wise. some safeties in there while we're at it. I mean, come on. Yeah, or maybe yeah, maybe two touchdowns and a safety. I would love That's that. The other I, was, way I, I would love to see a safety. I mean, it, it is weird. Like, in all honesty, as a student, it is so odd to say that Nebraska has won four of their last five. Yeah. I mean, is that weird to you? It feels weird. Because, I mean, you just pulled out the stat. First three-game winning streak since 2016. I mean, that's I, – I was 14 years yeah. old. <laughs> now, and some of that's a schedule. But at the same time, like, look, if you put this Big Ten – this defense on Nebraska's team a year ago, that team's probably winning close to eight games, maybe nine. Like, the, the, the drop-off in schedule from last year to this year is minimal, in my mind. They're beating Northwestern yes. for sure. Well, they should have just anyway. Uh, they're beating. They're probably beating Purdue. I would. I would say that's probably true. Uh, I would say they are beating Wisconsin for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's three wins right there, and that gets you to seven. They, they, yeah. And they're beating. Well, let's see who else is. Should we pull up their schedule? Leave off there. I felt like I. Maybe I missed someone. Here, let, let's um, do this fun little activity before we get out of here. Oh, they're beating Minnesota next year or last year, I think too. Let's see. Okay, let's. Uh, let's. Uh, hold on. Yeah, they're definitely beating Minnesota with this defense. So they're going to beat Northwestern. I agree. They beat North Dakota. They beat Georgia Southern. Yeah. They're not beating Oklahoma because they just didn't play well. Uh, They already beat Indiana. They beat Rutgers by the skin of their teeth. I agree. I think that Purdue game flips because the offense was out there for a million minutes and still made it a game. Um, Illinois? No. Casey Thompson goes down in that game? Probably not. Uh, Minnesota? Yeah, probably. Uh, Michigan? No. 
Wisconsin absolutely, yeah. absolutely should they should have won well, it and, anyway. And by the way, that Minnesota game, like this defense would keep a 13-10 lead, would hold that. Like yes. Nebraska was up. What what was the halftime? I can't even remember. They the were up ten nothing, I believe. Yeah, Nebraska's um, defense would hold that lead. Yeah, I, I think that Wisconsin game absolutely flips. They should have won it anyway. They were up fourteen to three in the fourth quarter and still found a way to lose it. And then obviously you already beat Iowa. So yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Good good point from Grant Hansen there. So um, I, I wish that we could go back in time and kind of it's true flip flop. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're we're here and, and Nebraska still has a chance to get to a bowl game. So. We both have Nebraska beating Purdue on Saturday. I have it 17 to 10, and Grant has it 16 to 13 over the Purdue Boilermakers, and they get to five and three and three and two in the Big Ten Conference. So it should be another exciting weekend of football at Memorial Stadium. It's going to be cold, bundle up, but the thrill of homecoming and, and all that good stuff should hopefully make it a little bit better or better other than the weather. So it is it's really cold actually as we're recording this. I look out the the window and it's just gray and, and gloomy. But hey, it's Friday and enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the volleyball this weekend. And if you're a basketball junkie like myself, enjoy the games on Sunday, even though they're just exhibition games. So Grant anything before we leave. No, yeah, stay warm this weekend. It is going to be cold. Uh, enjoy the Halloween weekend. Yes, Halloween. Halloween is on Tuesday, which is crazy. I can't believe it's almost November already. College basketball starts in 10 days. Here 10 days from That's today. That's going to be exciting. So uh, both men's and women's teams open on November 6th, which is a Monday at Pinnacle Bank Arena. So that should be an exciting day as well. So that will do it for episode number 125 of Husker Sports Weekly. We previewed Nebraska and Purdue. We went back and looked at Nebraska-Wisconsin on the volleyball court and gave our picks for the week here in week number, well, I guess it's technically 10, but week 9 for our picks. So let's see if we can actually give you some decent betting advice uh, this week. So that will do it for episode 125. You can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson.Hanson. For our Twitters, you can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show have a great saturday tomorrow hopefully you stay warm and well hopefully the huskers give you a lot to cheer about as well as they look to go to five and three so we'll talk to you next week we'll get you some more basketball and volleyball content next week as well as those seasons start to heat up but until then go big red